So let me just set my time here. I don't want to go on for too long. Um, so this morning what I want to share, there we go, talk about and share about is um, actually devotion to the apostolic and devotion to the apostles' teachings, really, because it's something we talk about, something we've been talking a lot about with the 412 skit that you saw this morning, with the um, recap video of what happened in Isle of Man, what's happening. We've been telling you guys a lot about it, telling you, hey, guys, you know, something to get registered for. This is something you want to be at. And often I realize is, why? Like, we understand what sometimes we need to do, but sometimes the why is not, and, and we can get swept up in culture, but if we don't have a conviction for these things, actually, then what we just, we just kind of, fly, oh, thank you very much. There we go. We're just kind of flowing along with the flow. Um, so maybe I want to start uh, with the scripture we all know, and it's something that Josh Jen is. This is how the this kind of build around the scripture. Do you guys know the scripture Acts two forty two? Yep. What does it say? <laughs> they were dev- or they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Who's they? They was. The saints, the early church, then the the right after Jesus had died, a couple of oh, about seventy or so years, as the guys began to get together, this is who they were. This is how they moved, and 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 the thing is, this is not when we look at these things. These are not things to tick the box to make a healthy church. These are the result and the fruit of a heart that's cut to the like cut. Out of like a, a, when you behold Jesus and you see him, you respond in this way and you become devoted. You know, devotion's an interesting word. Like, th- think about the like devotion cannot be forced upon anybody. You can force people to obey, obey. You can command people to do things. You can with duress. You can. There's lots of things you can't get away with. But devotion, you can't. Devotion comes from within. Devotion is very personal, actually, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a self-engineered emotion, <laughs> if you want to call it that. And uh, this is who these people were. This is what this church looked like, and there were a number of things they were devoted to: the apostles' teaching, to breaking of bread, to, to prayer, and to fellowship. I mean, these guys that are devoted, very devoted to prayer. They were here this morning at six o'clock. I was there too. Yeah. It's something we should be devoted to, actually. And it doesn't mean you have to be at 6 o'clock, but we should be a people that's devoted to prayer as well. So just so you know, there is a 6 o'clock prayer meeting on a Sunday morning here. If you want to, come, <laughs> I want to encourage you to come, because actually it's a powerful time. Sometimes a lot happens in those meetings, actually. Sometimes they're quiet. Sometimes they're not. But that, these are just some of the things that, like, hey, as we cut to the heart, we, we, we respond to him. So maybe some things to think about. Um, so as, they, as you start this, this, this scripture pretty much, it's they devoted themselves. It was them who did it, all right? Um, I've already said it, so no one can make you be devoted. So the, the, what, is, what is the meaning of devotion? It's quite an interesting word, actually. and uh, the, I couldn't even pronounce the Greek word. Proskarterotnan. <laughs> yeah, and I was, bra- I was bragging earlier, I'm Greek. Yeah, actually, I am got a little bit of Greek in me, but I cannot pronounce that word for the life of me. And it means to do something with intense effort, to persist 
despite difficulty or resistance. Intense effort. So you're going, it's, it's implying that you're going to encounter resistance and, and it's going to be difficult, but to actually push forward. So, so maybe a story. I have a very uh, uh, um, vivid picture of this in my mind. Uh, in 2011, I did Ironman. And uh, it's quite a grueling race. It's a triathlon. I was doing a lot of triathlon at the time and racing. I think a lot of you guys know that. I've shared a couple of my stories. And I remember the lot. So that r- race, it's, for those of you who don't know, Ironman is a triathlon. It's a long swim, 3.8-kilometer swim, and then it's a 180-kilometer bicycle ride, and then it's a 42-kilometer run. Okay, so it normally takes the top, top guys about six hours, and then you can finish anything within, like, I don't know, the cutoff times like, 15, 18 hours, something like that. Anyway, so promise you guys, by the time you get to the run, so you've done the swim, you've cycled 180 180 k's, by the time you get to the run, you're wondering why you entered this race. (laughs) By the time you get to the, so this particular race was in Port Elizabeth, it was, the run was a three-loop race. lap of through the Port Elizabeth University all the way humeward you know that's uh, and uh, by the time you get to the third loop of the run you're almost swearing at yourself <laughs> no I wasn't actually swearing at myself but you know what I mean you're like why what was I thinking like <laughs> what on earth possessed me to like you are you hitting the wall you are just done you blisters I promise you the blisters you get in that race you didn't know you would get you didn't know you could get blisters there you lose toenails Tick, yeah. <laughs> you It's just, it's wild. It's bizarre. But you're on the last lap of the race, and I remember my devotion to finishing that race, actually, was like, I am put everything into this thing. I know I'm devoted to this thing. I'm finishing it. I encountered incredible resistance, yet I pushed through. And I was just thinking, like, yeah, I was pretty devoted. I was pretty devoted, actually. Because I think, and in a sense, we're all devoted to something. We must just decide what we're devoted to. And uh, I'll maybe get a little bit into that um, just now. Um, I mean, because if you think about these guys, think about the early church, guys. They, the things they were encountering, their lives were in danger. If they joined the church, it meant that they could be executed. So they had to be pretty devoted to this thing. They were putting their lives on the line. They... Their families were cutting them off. They were weren't able to operate in business. There was a whole. They were alienated. There was a whole. It was hectic. They were persecuted. Yet they were devoted to this thing because obviously there was. They saw something. They tasted something. And I, I mean, I asked. We can ask a couple of questions sometimes. What are the things that stop us? Sometimes we're not devoted. We're very, very not devoted. Like it was raining outside this morning, and it's a pretty cold morning. How tempting is it to pull the covers over your head and just not come? Like, that's not devotion. If I had a blister on my foot, that first little blister on my foot when I was running that race, and, oh, I've got a blister, I'm stopping. That, it's not devotion. It's not following through in a sense. There's no, and there's something in that. Like, what are the things that we face? Because there are lots of things. We face. I'm just using an easy... I mean, I'm, I'm, we're cold, we're tired. We, like, uh, it's my son's rugby game. Justin saw my notes before. He's like, I'm crossing rugby out and riding soccer there because he's a rugby coach, you know. <laughs> but we hide behind these excuses and actually what should we be devoted to? What should we be devoted to? 
Um, are we prepared to continue steadfastly regardless? Um, and then maybe just another thought around this thing. I mean, I mean I'm just using this to kind of lay a foundation of what I want to actually talk about because we're going to go into why they were, why they devoted themselves to these things. And I'm going to, the first thing though that is listed and, char- and they were characterized as being devoted to the apostles' teaching. Before anything else, apostles' teaching, then to fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. It's quite interesting that. So why though? Why the apostles' teaching? Why was it so important? So 1 Corinthians 3 says that Paul says this, By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each of you should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So there you see there's that thread coming in, Felt what I felt like the Lord was saying already this morning. I, not, I think only they saw my notes from this morning and really knew what I was going to be sharing on. But there's that... That, that only, the only foundation can be Jesus. You see, it's in, yeah, um, these are, well, the, what the apostles do, in a sense, they help us build on the foundation of Christ. That's what Paul's saying, actually. There's another scripture in Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Maybe you can put that one up. I want to look at that one. See, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. That's great. That's a, I mean, that's everything I've just been saying, right? <laughs> but there's a something of, in, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. And I preached on that scripture a couple of, a while ago, that we being living stones being joined together that actually God's spirit wants to come and dwell in us his glory wants to dwell amongst us and in us and we reflect it to the world but what I want to focus on there is actually the, what who lays the foundations the apostles and the prophets and actually who lead in in we look at that fivefold ministry and I want to talk about who lead that fivefold ministry the guy the guys that get gather them together are the apostles so when we talk about apostolic input, being part of an apostolic household, this is the, these are the, the benefits of it. Good, genuine builders that know what they're doing and are building us on the foundations. They keep bringing us back to good foundation. They keep bringing us back to Christ. And, and often we, we just think they're just a good, hey, lack of preach, this, that. No, no. These things are not that. They're actually quite simple. But for some reason, we get lost. And they, the gift in them, the nature of the gift in them doesn't. And they keep pulling us back to the truth. And they've been doing it for the last how many years? 2,000 years. We, we get so hopelessly lost. So let's, let's have a look at um, some, in that scripture, he says there, but each one of you should build with care. So maybe can I just say this? How you build in your own personal life, how we build, will be tested. You know that. It'll be tested. What we build on will determine what gets built and how it lasts as well. And then what we build will be tested. So we may, and the Bible says, seek first the kingdom, right? Seek first the kingdom of heaven and all else will be given unto you. So this is always, it keeps putting us back to seek first the kingdom. So we may, we may want to build into our family or 
because we, it seems good. It seems noble. And yes, it is. But if it's not built on a good foundation, it won't last. It won't stand. We may want to build into our businesses and build just into the workplace. It may seem wise because we want to be good stewards. And yes, it is. But if it's not built on the, on the foundations of Christ, it's not going to last. He always keeps pulling his back. Keeps Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. These are the things that you build upon, and all else will be given unto you. And sometimes it looks stupid because those other things actually look wise. Things, he uses the foolish thing to confound, foolishness, what foolish things to confound the wise. I'm paraphrasing terribly. <laughs> I, I, while I was actually, like this wasn't in, I was going through this, and I just felt, you know, we can build our lives around the kingdom or we can try fit the kingdom into our lives. You can decide who you want to be. Because building our lives around the kingdom means that we're built on the rock. We're trying to fit the kingdom into our lives means we're building on the sand. Do you understand? Do you see the difference? One will stand. One's not going to stand when they get tested. And the, the incredible gift and the grace gift of, of, of the apostolic is to keep pointing us to build on the rock. It keeps laying that foundation. It keeps pulling us back to Christ. It keeps saying, King, seek first the kingdom of heaven. It keeps reminding us. Forsake all of those things in a sense. And there will be times, hear what I'm saying. Like, don't forsake this. This is the important thing, and I will give you all of those things. So how, how does it work? Um, and I want to just maybe use this as, as an example because I want to I I use the Scripture, Ephesians 4, 11 to, to 19, I think it is. 11 to 16, sorry. And uh, we had the skit just now. We've, I told you we've talked a lot about 4.12. And this is actually what 4.12 is, Ephesians 4.12. All right? Now we're going to be reading from Ephesians 4.11 right through 4.12, all the way down to 16. And uh, maybe have, talk, have a few things to say about that. So let's read that first. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Until we all reach in the in the faith, or until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning of the craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That's a I love that. Like, it's beautiful. If you understand that and you look at that and you ponder on that and you meditate on that, it is a beautiful picture actually. But there's some key ingredients that are needed to do that, actually. And this is what we call the fivefold ministry. And I'm very aware of sometimes the fact that we throw out these terms or these phrases that you may have no idea or understanding of what those things are. Like, when we talk about 412 in this context, 
if you've been in Josh Jen for a long time, you probably will know what 412 is. But if you walked through those doors two weeks ago, you're going to be like, what on earth are these oaks talking about? It's like, what? Is, who, what? What? <laughs> and I get it. It's freaking, so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to explain to you what it is and then why it's so important as well for us. So it's just reference to the scripture. Now, these fivefold gifts, those five gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are the fivefold gifts. Okay. Now, those teachers, they, they, it says there, for equipping the saints to the works of the ministry. Now, we have those. We, Jonathan Conrath, for example, is a, we see him as a fivefold evangelist. He's going to spend time in Josh Jen equipping the saints to do the works of the ministry. He's going to minister as well. The last time he was with us, we had over 400 salvations. He was here for a week. We don't, like, we see salvation. We don't see salvations like that. When he gets up and he speaks, and he often, often with the evangelist, the signs and wonders of the miraculous, the power, uh, miraculous movie. There was a girl in this congregation. She got, he, she was deaf in one ear. She actually, did she get, did she get saved that night? No, she didn't. She got healed, though. She was deaf in one ear. She went forward for prayer and she got healed. She's not in this congregation anymore, but... Um, where was that? Sorry. <laughs> How many people? I mean, we took people to that meeting, and just to see the response, to see what it did even in my heart. I've served Jesus for a while, and I was wanting to go, yeah, can I go again? <laughs> it was just, it does something. There's something in the nature of the gift that does, and he, he's going to be by us. I want to encourage you guys, go if you can. Go, like, it's going to be open. It's a little bit different in the sense to what I'm explaining the conference to be now, but if you can make it to that, Go. You know the other day when Mervis was here. Remember? Mervis is a, is a prophet. He operates in the... But it was something that was different, right? It was just different. It was not like he was prophesying over people and pulling them out of their chairs. He can and sometimes will do that. But something was different. You, it's like you saw Jesus differently. It's almost like you actually... What is this? It's not him. It's just, a, it's just the anointing and the gift that flows with him. And God actually gave specific people as gifts in this context, okay? And I'll just maybe just, even within us, for example, within the field that we're part of, the 412, that's what we call it, the field that we're part of. The apostle, we've got, Andrew is one. A lot of you guys know Andrew. John O from Isle of Man, his daughter was here actually with Mervis that day. Uh, Brad from Oxygen Life in Port Elizabeth. Those are just, I'm just naming three of the guys. There, there are others too. Um, prophets, Merv, Milani. You guys, a lot of you have met Milani. Recognizes prophets moving around within us. Evangelist Jonathan Conrad's coming. Pastors, Russell. You guys know Russell Frazee? Russell, he actually might be here next week with us. Russ. <laughs> He'll probably be here next week. Um, Vince and Bobby know them very well, actually. <laughs> Old friends. So these are just some of the guys that, that, that we would recognize them as fivefold teachers and they move amongst and within us. So let's, let's break it down, actually, at how they actually do this. Now, when I'm referring to the apostolic, I'm actually referring kind of to all four of those guys. But apostles now are able to build well. And they will, whenever there's a genuine apostolic gift around, a genuine apostle around, you'll see all of those gifts close by because they know how to build. They know, okay, we need evangelists. That's why Jonathan Conrad's coming because Andrew knows we need him through us. That's why... Merv is moving through the congregation because he knows. You can see, you can look and see a New Testament pattern, a genuine New Testament pattern when you look at what's been built 
by genuine apostles. I was actually in a conversation the other day with somebody that came out of a, what they thought was an apostolic movement, and they got very hurt, and they were just having, we were unpacking and talking a lot, and they were speaking with one of the guys, and they said, yeah, you know, we know what this, and he said to them, very interestingly enough, he said, he's not an apostle, and they were like, what do you mean? We've been taught all our lives he's an apostle, and he's like, no, he's not an apostle, he's not an apostle, they're like, why not? He said, look, look at what he's built. It's not even, there's not even elders and deacons. There's not, like, that's the New Testament pattern. If, if there's not the pattern, then it's not an apostle. Like, no. And they just like, the lights went on. They were like, oh my goodness. We've been fooled. And that's the thing. You've got to test these things. You've got to look to see. I'm, 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 I'm making sense. You guys following me? So let's have a look. Let's break it down, Ephesians 4.12, and just have a look exactly how these, how these uh, gifts help us. So they equip the saints to do the work in the ministry so that apostles help us to be found faithful. Okay? So we, can, so we see the kingdom grow. So we've been given talents, and they help us to actually be faithful in our talents. I've got a whole bunch of things, so I'm just going to hit them because I don't want to, I mean, I could go on forever about, with these things. Um, Number two, they help us build, or they build, and, uh, build up and edify the body. Now, this is all. I'm just taking these out of, these scriptures, out of the scripture. You'll see, you'll see as I go along. Apostolic strengthens and edifies. It makes the body a fit dwelling place for Christ. Remember it said the building, that we get built together, that his glory comes and dwells within us. Ephesians 2, 9, that one I said just now. That one. See that? Being built together in the next scripture. Dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. Fit for the Holy Spirit. Wants to come and dwell within this thing. They help us attain unity in the faith. Unity of heart, mind, and purpose. So unity is not just us all walking in the same direction together. All looking the same. Actually, no. Unity is more than walking in the same direction. It's not all looking the same. That's uniformity. It's not just... Mark Davies says, singing Kumbaya together. <laughs> There's something about walking together, laboring together, fulfilling your purpose together, arriving at a destination together. That's what unity is, actually. It helps us grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. And interesting, the Hebrew word for knowledge, or the Hebrew, in Hebrew thinking, it Knowledge isn't just an intellectual thing. It's an experiential thing. You love that. I know. You've got experience. We've got to have an experiential faith, right? So, that, the so an experiential faith brings us into a relationship. So the, the genuine apostolic will help us deepen our relationship and come into a, a, a healthy relationship and experience a deeper relationship with Christ. They help us grow in maturity, move us into a place of greater effectiveness. So mature things multiply. We should the kingdom. We should see the kingdom multiplying within us. We should see growth. We don't. We don't build for growth, but healthy things grow. Do you understand what I'm saying? So it's a good sign when you see the church growing. When you see people coming in, when you experience life, it's a good sign. It's a healthy sign. They help us grow in the measure of the stature and 
so they help us grow in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. They help us become more like Christ. Remember a couple of weeks ago I asked you, started with a question, who wants to look like Jesus? You guys remember that? The right answer to that question is we all do. <laughs> and in John it says, in, in 1 John 2 verse 6 it says, if we say we walk with him, we ought to walk as he walked. So we, that's what we, we want to look like, Jesus, and they help us, actually, help us build on the right foundations to actually look like Jesus. No longer tossed to and fro by the waves. This is interesting, eh? So they help secure us in the midst of storms and difficulties. They anchor, they anchor us in Christ and help us navigate dangerous waters. So we've just come through two, nearly three years of um, pandemic. How tumultuous was that storm, those waters? Remember right at the beginning, like, it was just conspiracies everywhere flying around, mark of the beast, this, that, like, oh, so much stuff going around. So much stuff going around. So much uncertainty and just anxiety around the whole thing, unsurety, doubt, not knowing whether we're coming or going. Should we be listening to this, following that, doing this, doing that? How do we respond to this thing? I don't know about you, but when I listened to a genuine apostolic voice, it brought something of a, 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 a calmness and a stillness in the storm, direction, and it was just like, wow, okay. I actually, I, I um. I spoke to somebody that's not part of us that was um, actually they're a little bit isolated in a sense of church family and they're also just navigating some stuff and we're just reaching out to them, they're good friends of ours. And they said, she's, they said one thing to me, there's so many voices at the moment out there, but it felt like, uh, I mean, I think Andrew led us, uh, Josh Jen, in a sense, through COVID. She said he felt like he was a safe voice to listen to in this time. It was... Just There was a clarity. There wasn't a get, allowing himself to get caught up in emotion and, and conspiracy, yet preaching, yet keeping to truth and navigating. And I think, to be honest with you, I think we've seen a massive fruit in that. We've, we've grown in this time. Like, even as a local church, Josh Jen's grown, it's almost doubled in, over COVID. That's not normal. Most other churches have, have, have either completely disappeared or shrunk. But I'm not saying... But I think it's because of the way we were led through. There was something of a, a consistency and a direction that brought stability and health. And that's exactly what that scripture says. Eh? I, I mean, I'm just, well, I've lost my place now. No longer tossed to and fro by the waves. Storms. We're going to see more storms. We're going to navigate more things. Not carried away by every wind of doctrine. When these storms come, doctrine follows it very quickly. <laughs> Theology about this and that and all of these things. Keeping us anchored in Christ. Always bringing us back to this thing. Because we people, we get so quickly consumed about these other things. And when we build a theology around it, we actually take our eyes of Jesus and we start building towards an idea. And they just go... It's, yeah, maybe, but it's about Jesus. And they don't make it about that. They make it about this. And I, 
we can think that we know how to do that, but we don't, guys. We just don't. Like, actually, if we think you can do it, you probably, yeah, maybe I shouldn't say that. Because <laughs> in reality, they, they keep, apostles keep us free. You know that? They keep us free. Paul, he writes to the Galatians, Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Because they're falling back into a legalistic thing. And he keeps them free. He says, what are you doing? Apostles keep us free. I've been in contexts where guys have gone, you cannot, you can, we're not allowed to drink alcohol at all. And a genuine apostolic gift is going, no, that's not what the Bible says. You're putting law on somebody now. The Bible says we shouldn't be given too much wine. And they bring that balance and they bring the truth. But how many of us would just go, in the context, we can't actually, don't tell anybody. No, no, actually the context sometimes, we've got to be uncomfortable, but just address it properly. And that's what they do. Paul, walk, he, he confronts Peter. He confronts Peter. He kept, I mean, Peter was also apostles. I don't know how that won't work. But, <laughs> but if it wasn't for Paul, they, I mean, imagine Peter, what he, could have, what he could have got into the church at that moment. If Paul, that was a huge defining moment when Peter sees, when Paul sees Peter um, eating bacon with the free guys, and then he, he sees the Jews come in and he, he feels condemned, convicted, or I don't know what you want to do, and then scurries over to his friends in the Jewish camp. And like looks at the guys, go, how can you eat bacon? He's just been eating bacon. He's got like still got grease on him. <laughs> and Paul rebukes him publicly because he knows in that very moment what that can do. He keeps the people free. And that's a genuine gift. Eh? That not, not anyone can do that. A lovely if we could. Even good, healthy eldership teams that are disconnected from genuine apostolic grace can go astray. Huh? Will go. So hopefully not. Yeah. Will. Long enough they will. I'm not... What's the word I'm looking for? I'm, I'm arrogant enough? Proud enough? To say that on my own I won't. I'm very careful of even the things I read. I'm very careful because I know even in me, I can, I'm an elder, I lead this congregation, but what I, I'm not ignorant enough to know that I can eat and spit out the bones. Sometimes we do that. We read material and we go, oh, this is good, this is good, but I'm not, I, I'm going to spit out the bones. But eventually that thing actually corrupt, begins to corrupt us. I, I'm very careful, very careful. I'm not going to just be reading everything. I'm going to be checking what and bouncing things off. Hey, what do you think of that? Hey, I... I encountered this, and I'm an, uh, uh, I say this humbly, but I'm, a, I'm an elder. I'm meant to carry something of a responsibility and wisdom in the Lord. Like, and then we, I was also there sitting in the congregation going, oh, I'll just read this, 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 and this, and <laughs> eat off that table. You don't even know what you're eating is not good for you. It's like rat poison. It's 1% poison. 99% good. Cornflakes. We can't pick that 1% up. Am I making sense? Am I coming across too heavy or? <laughs> Sorry. 
Grow into him who is the head. Growing closer to Jesus and becoming even more subject to his authority. Apostles, or the apostolic, do not control people or glorify themselves, but they point to Christ and to become obedient to him. They never point to themselves. They're always pointing to Jesus. They may say, listen to me because I'm pointing you to Jesus. There's a difference between listen to me. Do you understand? And you see that too. You do. I've seen it too. They're always pointing people to become obedient to Christ. No matter how hard. No matter how uncomfortable. The body grows and builds itself up in love. Without love, we're nothing. We know in 1 Corinthians 13, it says faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We know the Bible says by their love for one another, you'll know them. The apostolic helps us grow and to love more deeply. Love one another more deeply. Love Jesus more deeply. Do you, are you beginning to see the, the value now in this? Like it's not just, I can't do these things. I can't do that. There is not, there's not a grace on my life to be able to do those things. God has grace specific people to do that. And he will raise people up. I'm not saying I'll never be that. I'm just saying right now in this context, I'm not. There are guys that are that, though. And that's why we talk about, like, who wouldn't want to be part of an apostolic household, right? There's not one single New Testament church that was not part of an apostolic household. And we think we can do it. And we think we cannot be devoted to the apostolic. We think we can, we're fine on our own. It's not important. I'm asking you the questions because you you have to answer them. (laughs) So guys, when we announce those things, now hopefully you begin to see it's not just a conference. (laughs) It's not just, hey, we're going to come together and sing Kumbaya. There's something of us. Actually, Margot had a word about they try to reenact it with the, cloud, with the cloud thing. It was good. But there was a word about us, actually, and, and the Lord, in a sense, was moving. And if we as a people did not move with him, there was a danger we could actually be left behind. I'm not saying left behind in a, in a, in a salvation context. I'm saying left behind in what God wants to do in and through us. So when we talk about this, the conference, when we talk about it, it's, it's not just a, con- a conference. It's these these fivefold gifts coming together, sowing into us, putting into us. And I hope, as, you, as I've shared with you, there's something to go, okay, hang on a second. This is a little bit more serious. This carries a little bit more weight. I want to build on the right foundation. I want to build on the rock. And I can, I'm not saying you're not building on the rock, but I know at some stage on my own, I'll start building skew. I'm going to start building on the stand if I don't keep on getting recalibrated, if I don't keep on getting pulled back to Jesus. There'll be a time of envisioning, equipping, imparting, recalibrating, encouraging, edifying, and transforming. Nicola said to me the other day, I don't know if, what's the time? I don't want to go too long. You, you had a testimony. I don't uh, Maybe next week we can actually share it. Nicola said to me, she phoned me, she said, Ross, I feel like we need to be releasing testimonies of actually what that did. Like what it did, it changed my life. And I was like, yo, 
I know a couple of people that it has. It's really, it's like, and it's not the, guys, it's not the conference. It's just, it's just something that flows. It's the grace that flows in the moment. And it will. Yeah. I'll ask Margaret to quickly say something. Um, so we used to live in Marcel Bay, and I worked and had 15 days leave a year. So when Ross said we're going to this 412 conference in Cape Town, I was really not a very submissive wife. I was grumbling and I was complaining and I was like, take five days leave to go to Cape Town to some conference. No, sorry, I want to use my leave to go lie on the beach somewhere. And, um, but he got me there and that literally changed my life. And I didn't really have a, like, I mean, I could see apostolic in the Bible, but I haven't been exposed to it. And that week, I don't think anyone could have explained to me what the apostolic do. I had to experience it. And I literally, after that week, was a changed person. Like, and that whole thing of like, if, well, Ross is saying, the apostolic recalibrator. So um, if Jesus is true north, we have a tendency of just going a little bit off true north. Uh, but the thing is, if, you, if you're a little bit off now, it's fine. But over time, the trajectory, the, the gap gets bigger and bigger. And that's what the apostolic does. It constantly brings us back to true north. And then we go about life and there's the winds of doctrine and life happens and the worries of this world. And we just kind of drift a little bit without knowing it. And then apostolic input and we align again. And that's what I experienced in that week complete recalibration and just like, this is true north. It was literally like scales falling off my eyes, but nobody could really explain it to me. I had to experience it. And I think that's what happens at a 412 conference. If you're not there, you actually don't know what you missed out and nobody will be able to explain it to you. Like surfers say, only a surfer knows the feeling. Like you won't know what it feels like. You've got to taste it. So Ross is trying to explain, but You've got to taste it. Just a, like a little example in um, COVID, when we were all not singing. Do you guys remember that? It was illegal to sing in church. So we all stood here with masks on, and one guy was allowed to play the guitar and sing. And we all did that because the president said, this is what we're doing. And we're being good citizens. It felt good. It felt right. It's difficult, but, you know... And at one stage, a video went out, and Andrew had felt in the Lord that this is enough now. Like, we're being good citizens, but if we continue, we're actually disobeying God. How can we not worship Him? And as, he, as the video went out and his voice came out, it was like scales fall, fell off our eyes, and we're like, oh my goodness. We're like sheep, just doing what everybody's doing, and actually... And, and Andrew, in that moment, said, I don't feel like we've grieved the Lord yet, but if we continue, we're going to start grieving Him. Now we sing and we praise Him. And it was like, oh, it was almost like we could breathe again, and, and that's what the apostolic does, right? Yeah. It does. It does exactly that. Like, like I've even, you can go and come try and re-preach it back to the congregation, but the grace doesn't flow. It just doesn't. I've seen it, the guys try and do it, it just doesn't fall flat. Does it happen? Because the grace flows. It's, it's a thing God does by the Spirit. So it is. It's come and taste. You've got to taste. Like, some t- people have often talk about 
the values, they talk about it, we teach it and that, but until they see it, until they live amongst us, that, that is a friend of mine, or I've become friends with him, the guy from America, I don't know, I think I might have told you about him. They've come, they've moved here to live with, with us for six months because they want to see. And they're like, because they're tasting, they're living, they've immersed themselves in, they're going, oh my goodness, something, something's different. And until you've seen it, you, you, can't, you can't even do it justice in words, in a sense. There's, there's, there's no way. So it's not just a guy's just prepping their best preach. It's got to be like, it's actually recalibrating us. So I want to encourage you, if this is why we talk about it so strongly, this is why we want to make it the highest of the priority thing, because for us as a church, as us as Josh Jane, we, that's pulling us back. This thing that often moves us forward. I remember, I remember we move, be living in Mossel Bay, going with we all got like 90% of our congregation there. That's like five hours away. <laughs> that whole congregation would come back, and you would just like what just happened. The whole like something we've moved in the spirit, there'd been a shift. So, I can't encourage us enough and ask you enough please prioritize this thing, make this thing the highest. Highest priority. And you can, now, now hear me in this, I want to maybe close with this. You can be there with your body and not be there in heart, and it will be of no benefit to you. You can be there in your heart and not able to be there, in a sense, with your body. Because some people can't be there. They absolutely, they can't get leave. And you need to work that out in your own conviction with your own conviction, but some people can't. I remember there was a time that I took unpaid leave, but then there was a time that I couldn't even take unpaid leave to be there. And there was a year that I missed it. Margot's very lucky it's the year she was pregnant with. <laughs> she was like, <laughs> like Mariska is now. So, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, it's a hard thing, guys. It's not just tick the box, kind of, but if you're not sure... Come and talk to, please, come and talk to us. Come and talk to the elders. Come and talk to me. And I also want to ask you guys, don't let anything stand in the way of, of practical things, logistics. Don't let those things stand in the way. There's always a way around logistics. Guys, I know. I ran trucks for nearly eight years of my life. That is logistics. There's always a way around logistics. You can always make a plan. <laughs> there is, is always a way. Don't let finances be a problem. Please, come and, rather come and speak to me. We don't want to be a people that let anybody miss out on this opportunity. Is that all right? Does that make sense? So that's what I want to share. But maybe just as I've been sharing, just, I want to maybe close with this um, before I pray for us. So maybe, why don't you guys stand with me? Um, I don't ever want to let an opportunity go by because I don't know who's visited this morning. I don't know if there's a visitor here. But even in this thing, there, I started with... Acts 2.42, about us being devoted. God was so devoted to having a relationship with us that he sent his son to die on the cross. Can you guys just think, just think about that for a second? God was so devoted to having a relationship with us that he sent his only son to die on the cross. Jesus says, there's no way to the Father except through me. Except through me. That same God that we're devoted to was actually devoted to us and to death. And as I've been sharing now this morning, maybe you didn't understand, but as I said that, maybe something in your heart just went, oh my goodness, I don't know that God. 
And maybe just if we'll all just close our eyes. If you're a Christian right now, pray with me. Pray if there's somebody here right now that doesn't know Jesus, that they would actually respond to that call because that's the most important call. And I don't want to miss an opportunity. So if that's you this morning, if you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, you, there's a moment, the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you will be saved.